Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. Uh, This year, as we came into the end of the year, I was really kind of banging my head against the wall uh, about theme, what God had for this next season. And and it's been very interesting to me uh, about how the Lord began to speak to me about if we love one another, we'll break through into all that God has for us. And so this year it really is. I do believe there's a breakthrough in every one of our lives. Uh, Something better. Look at your neighbor and say, something even better. Uh, and for many of us, it hadn't been bad the way it is, right? You, you, you can be thankful for where it's been, but you can break through. For some of you, it will be financial. For some of you, it'll be health, physical. Others of you, it'll just be emotional. You, you, you need to break through some of those negative emotions. It'll be a number of things. So that word breakthrough denotes a lot of things. For me, it denotes another level of His presence. For me, it denotes just a, a little bit more closeness into the intimacy of the presence of God. Uh, and that's, uh, I, I really do believe that I've had one assignment my entire life, and that's to teach you to live in daily fellowship with the unconditional love of God. Uh, I, 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 that's what makes me get up every morning. It, it makes me rise, I, all the other things that people do. But I, I really do believe I've had a calling on my life to teach you how to live and daily fellowship with the unconditional love of the Father, and uh, teach you how to love like Jesus loves. I, I really think that if you do that, and if you learn that, everything else will slip into place. I, I think that everything else. So uh, when the Lord began to speak to me about tell them to love one another, a couple Sundays ago, I, I could have got up and told you this is what God said, love one another. And I could have sat down, because that was really the totality of what God told me to say that Sunday. Uh, I, I, several Several weeks ago, I was on this phone call with some younger guys, and there's a pastor, how do you prepare to preach? And I'm Pentecostal. I mean, we, we, we were taught to look at the scriptures, and that'll preach good. Man, I, I, can, get, I can get preach that good. Uh, and, and man, it was great. It was good. Uh, but as I've aged, uh, I now close my eyes and say, Lord, what do they need? Amen. And, and sometimes... What people need doesn't make them shout. I've noticed that. But uh, there again, I'm in a place this morning where I really believe that God has spoke to me about what we need. And uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read one verse in the beginning. Don't hold me to being the only verse I preach about. But I'm going to read one verse, and if you'll go with, your, with me in your Bible, I'm sure Lucas will put it on the screen. But if you go with me to John chapter 10... Verse 10. Most of you know this verse really well. For the devil comes but to steal, kill, and to destroy. Now we got to stop right there because there's a whole bunch of people that don't even believe in a devil. But there is a being, an entity that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. How many of you just want to have more life and have it? You know how many people I've irritated over the last 36 years because I have suggested that God wants you to prosper. I, I don't listen to me. I've been broke and I've had money. Can I tell you it's better if you got a little money in the bank? It really, really is. I, I'm, I'm surprised how many people it makes mad when I say God wants you blessed. It just, I mean, they have some kind of, like there's some kind of ulterior motive. No, I like shoes. 
I'm just serious. God wants you to have an abundance. And, and to suggest that God would heal, not only that he'd heal, but he wants you to walk in divine health. You'd think I had just robbed a bank by telling people that God wants to heal you today. I mean, they've written books. They've sent me letters. There's a whole bunch of stuff out there about, what do you mean you want to prosper? You want to be healed? Well, stay sick and broke. I don't care, you know. Abundant life. Say with me, abundant. He doesn't want you squeaking by. He doesn't want you hanging on by your fingernails. He, he wants you to walk in the eternity of God. He created you in his image to be like him. And, and, and Jesus came to say, listen, I've come to destroy the enemy. I've come to destroy the one that wants to destroy you. I, I've come to bind the strong man. I've come to disarm the principalities and the powers and rulers and high places so that you could enjoy the life that I created you to have. Man, that's better. That, that's not better, but it, 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 it's just as good as going to heaven if you can live in heaven now. I mean, some of you wait until you die to have any fun, and we know it. Mm -hmm. Don't look at anybody. I mean, I tell people all the time, I said, would you tell your face you're happy because your tone doesn't sound like it? <laughs> to wake up and to realize this morning that God wants you to have an abundance, that he wants you to have more than enough. Paul says that you might know his love and that you might be filled with the fullness of God, to be filled with everything that God has for you, to live a life that flourishes, a, a life that other people look at. Listen, the greatest tool of evangelism is you. When other, look, other people look at you, do they go, whatever that is, I want some of that. Yeah. No, most time we're telling them they're going to hell or they're going to heaven or we're against this. or we're, No, stop that. Ah, listen, I think we're going to have a breakthrough for some of us. Uh, I, maybe it's the rapture. But if we break through, that'll be good. Maybe it's just a better attitude. <laughs> Attitudes could change the world. To live in an abundance. But there is an enemy. And that enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And I'm going to tell you right up front, here's the premise of the message. His mode of operation, his strategy, his entire plan is to lie to you, is to deceive you, is to twist God's intent into something that makes you think you're unworthy, that makes you think you're unimportant, that makes you think that you have to perform. Listen, I was raised in an attitude that if you did this, then God loved you. If you were good, then God loved you. If you did, but if you did this, he's going to hit you with a, I was raised to believe he was kind of like Santa Claus, keeping a list and checking it daily. Uh, I was raised with that kind of perception of God, and so I never really thought if I wasn't living in, then it was my fault that, right? And I was always having to check, but, but I believe that God wants to bring you into that place where all of His promises begin to come to pass in our lives, that place where you could realize who He is, who you are, who other people are, that you could recognize the reality of the spiritual world into which we have been called and to see that manifested in the daily areas of our life. Jesus will say, if you know the truth, the truth can set you free. If you come to know the reality that God's for you and not against you, if you come to recognize and realize and not just know it in your brain, but feel it in your body, that God is for me and not against me. And if God's for me, who can be against me? And that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm the head and not the tail, above and not below. I can tell you how many people that irritates to think that God is for sinners. Oh, he is? Yeah. Listen, he's for those people you're sending to hell. He's for those people you don't like. He's for all of us, right? 
Nobody has to perform to earn his love. He comes to give himself for us that we could know him and know who we are and recognize and experience. And yet today in 2022 and last, listen, have you ever just got up every morning? It felt like you had to fight. You, you had to fight to stay saved. You had to fight to stay faithful. You had to fight to stay sane. Have you ever just had to, you ever been surrounded by such craziness that you went, oh my God. I'm, I'm a, yeah, you just, yeah, you just had, there was this war that goes on against us in our insides that makes it feel like, have, have nobody else felt that? I just have to fight to stay faithful, fight to remain in the things of God. And, uh, and Peter says it like this, uh, be alert and sober in your mind because the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may have you ever just, just, just that, you could feel that, right? Well, let me tell you this morning, what you have to recognize is the devil is not a myth. It's not a figment of people's overactive imagination. And, and really, let me tell you, he's not a cartoon character sitting on Will Ferrell's shoulder on Saturday Night Live. That's, that's not what he is. He is against us. He doesn't want us to know that we're loved. He doesn't want us to know that God's intent is to bless us. He doesn't want you to know that. And so he'll, he'll plant ideas in your head that you're not good enough. He'll plant ideas in your head that if you don't have your doctrine all together, that you just are going to, right? My doctrine's just not quite, maybe that's a better doctrine. Listen, doctrine's a good thing until it divides. And when that doctrine divides, it's no longer a good thing. Uh, but the way the enemy puts ideas in your head is to ask you stupid questions. You ever been asked a stupid question? Listen, I was raised by a dad, and Annie could tell you, my dad was always going, son, maybe I'd ask a better question. And the first time I was ever in the presence of Pope Francis, how many have heard this before? I've told this before, right? First time I was ever in the presence of the Pope, the Pope went, well, I, I think there's a better question. And I realized right then, I like this guy, because he reminded me of my dad. And uh, if you read the scriptures, you'll find out that the very first question that was posed to humanity was posed by the devil. The very first question. Anybody know what it was? Did God say? Did God say? Did, you really think God likes you? You really think God's for you? See, the enemy will come in and plant this idea in your head. He'll suggest that God cannot be trusted. And that is the biggest deception of all of time is that you can't trust God with your happiness. That you can't trust God with your life. That you've got to go buy something to make you happy. You've got to go do something to make him love you. So did God say, and then he, then he spreads this lie, then your eyes will be open and you'll be like God. And that premise is so false because you're already like God. You're just a child, but you're like God. But the enemy comes in to deceive us and to tell us this great lie that raises the suspicion, makes us go do things. See, sin is the results of the deception. If the enemy can get you to believe a lie, your behavior will follow that lie. So if you're having problems with your behavior, you need to go find out what you're being lied to about. Because if your behavior is out of line, it's you got to find out where you're being deceived. You're being deceived that if you buy that new car, you'll be happy. Eh, play again. Be content. That's like godliness, right? 
You don't need to buy something to be happy. You need to be content and grateful with what God's given. Am I making any sense? Yeah. Yeah. But deceptions are the roots of all behavior. And I, and I mean, the enemy comes in, and I don't suggest this has anything to do with gender. I don't believe that. But he isolates. He will isolate you. He'll pull you apart and tell you nobody likes you at that church. Nobody likes you in that class. Nobody likes you at work. He'll isolate you out, and then he can deceive you. If he can create that kind of atmosphere in your head, then he can plant these suspicions in your mind. And so I see, I see social distancing as a demonic plan to isolate people away from the community that can keep them in. Don't anybody amen me. It's obvious that's happened, right? Just isolate us up into this tribe and that tribe and this thought. and then just, keep, just keep isolating us over where it's in my own echo chamber and the only people I hear are other people that say just what I say and think just what I think and I'm just isolated over here in that little group and we're the only ones going to be in heaven. Isolate us into a place where we can be deceived by our own ideas and thoughts that keep us then from stepping into the abundance that God has for us. And the devil never changes. He did that to the first Adam and the second Adam shows up and you got to remember the context of this story. Jesus is baptized in the river Jordan and the heavens open up and God says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus goes off into the wilderness and the devil shows up with a question. If you really are the son of God. I mean, the enemy comes immediately to steal the word that is planted. How many of you have had that great experience? You just know, and then the next second, there's this, mm. and, and, and see, the enemy comes to deceived. Did God say, if you really are the son of God, why is this happening to you if you're a tither and go to church and you, oh, sorry. Why is this happening? You've done everything you know to do, and yet this crap is happening in my life. Does not it happens to us, right? And the way that Christ stands up to that deception is says, what, anybody know what he does? It, it's very interesting. He quotes this. He quotes this. You know, this thing that everybody in the last 50 years has told you is a myth. This thing that everybody in the last 50 years is trying to debunk is just being, I mean, I, I mean, Jesus quoted the Old Testament. You know that thing you never read? He quotes it. And he defeats the lie by quoting, I mean, here's the word quoting the scripture. I would just suggest to you that every lie or deception that God is trying to tell us can be debunked and torn down if we just knew the word of God. Oh, well, but uh, never mind. Say with me, it's true. And yet, how many people do you and I know that can't distinguish between what's true and fake? Oh, come on. There's a lot of us, right? And Jesus will go through his three and a half years of ministry, and eventually he'll look at the Pharisees, and he'll say, uh, you're, you're of your father, who is a liar. He's the author of all lies. He's, he's a murderer from the beginning. He doesn't stand for the truth. There's no truth in him. <laughs> he speaks a lie. Jesus says, listen, the enemy is a liar. And the way he hurts you, the way he steals from you, the way he robs from you is to plant this idea in your head that's a lie. And when you get that deception in your head, Harvard says it's like a mental map. It's neurologically programmed. It's an algorithm. They're reference points. And when you hear something, you run it through. You do realize your brain's better than any computer that's ever created. 
your brain, don't let them computer people tell you anything other than you're smarter than that phone. You're smarter than any program, any app that's in there. You're smarter because you can read the tone and the inflection. You, you can see an eyebrow go up. You, 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 I'm telling you, someone says something to you and it processes through your brain in a nanosecond and you go, that's true. How many of you jump to conclusions? Am I the only leaper in here? I mean, somebody says something and I instantly go, they're against me. I'm going to go, right? Or they're for me, right? Or I got to have that. No, we jump to conclusions. I wonder how many times we have been caught in depression because we jumped to a conclusion about what they didn't say to us. I came to that church and they never shook my hand. You jump to conclusions. You, 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 nobody in that. Everybody's against. Nobody ever, right? Can you feel that? We, we just leap off over into that crap. Just, and we're in it. Never mind. It isn't what they did to you. It's what you had in your head. It isn't, it isn't what anybody did to you. It's what you translated all that process through. And the enemy comes in to deceive us. I have wanted all week, I wanted to start this sermon with a video clip or an audio clip that I just think, I still wished I could figure it out, but I haven't been able to. Uh, was any, some of you were alive in 1938, right? Uh, what, what year were you born, Carol? You're, at 30, say it again. 34. Well, she was four. That doesn't, she won't remember this. Yeah, that's about as good as I'm going to get in this room, isn't it? So on November the 30th of 1938, a guy by the name of Orson Welles told a whole bunch of lies. Anybody know this story? It's called The War of the Worlds. The Martians had landed on the world, and the world was over. And the New York Times published it the next day. And the L.A. Chronicle published it the next day. I mean, he deceived everybody. into, And it wasn't his intent. He was just telling a story. He was just entertaining people. But they were pre-programmed to go, oh, my God, the, the, the Martians. I was telling this to Terry one day. And he goes, his dad was nine when that happened. Nine. And and his dad would tell the story that his dad came in and said, son, I love you. We're going to be dead tomorrow because of him. (laughs) They believed it. They believed it. Go do a little history on this. They believed it. America bought it. The Martians. There's a whole study now done on how you pre-program people to expect the sky to fall. Seriously. Just prepared for Martians to land. People's hearts are failing them because of what they're expecting. I'll do that next week. Expectations determine how you feel. If you get the wrong expectations, your emotions will go nuts. So whatever your emotions are doing, it's the result of whatever you're expecting that you did or didn't get. Maybe you ought to change your expectations and you'd feel better. Instead of blaming people for not meeting them. Oh, never mind. That's next week. Martians are landing. We get these, we're programmed in our minds to accept lies, deceptions. See, it's not so much the lies we tell as the lies we live. Many people are living this lie that they're not good enough, not worthy enough, not kind enough, that God's against them. 
I mean, if, if you've been told long enough that you're unlovable or unworthy, you begin to think that no one will ever love you or you're unworthy or that you're bad. And, and the, bio, the, the, the science says that your neurological wires get into that and then you'll just begin to behave bad because you've already been told long enough and so you just think you're bad. So we can create behavior by just telling you enough lies that you become... I mean, you tell a kid long enough that they're not worthy of anything, they'll begin to believe they're not worthy of anything. And you tell a kid long enough they're bad, and they'll eventually become bad and behave the way that you have projected or prophesied upon them that they are. Am I making any sense? So we tell these lies, and we're distorted, and these mental reference points come into us, and we live in this world where now ideas are the war. You ever heard anybody say, well, my idea about that? What? You do understand that the word idea comes from the word idolatry, and that many people worship their ideas more than they love people, and that ideas are idolatry. And can I tell you that there's a war going on for ideas in our life right now? Well, my idea is, well, let me tell you something. You got to be careful about those ideas because we get deceived. We think Martians are landing. We think if we're not careful and these marginal deception questions, did God say? And so my suggestion to us is that we are limited by these strongholds that get in our heads. We're limited by these things that we've been deceived by and by this program that we run everything through and, and we and these things that go off in our head. And we don't even, did God say, if you are. But I like Jesus' question. The first question he asked. John chapter 1. What do you want? I love it that God comes in and the first question that Jesus asks is, what do you want? Notice what he didn't ask. He didn't ask, what do you need? He didn't ask you what you need. He asked you what you wanted. And I, that, that for years I kept saying, well, God, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. But, but he didn't ask me what I need. And then I, then I realized over Matthew 6, he said, therefore take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For all these things the Father knows you have. Can I tell you something? God already knows what you need. Amen. He's already meeting your needs according to his riches and glory. Yes. He already knows how to take care of you. He's going to take care of you. Yes. He said, I know what you need and I'll handle that. I'm asking you, what do you really want? Yes. Don't give any thought or consideration to those needs because when I made you, I know what you needed. Can I tell you that when I made you, you could live naked. Yep. When I made you, I adjusted the atmosphere so perfectly that you didn't need to go the gap. <laughs> when I made you, I had the carpet of the grass so fine you didn't need shoes. You were created to live naked in a garden with no care, no taxes, no death, no... I know the atmosphere in which you thrive. It's the atmosphere where you trust me. Amen. It's the atmosphere where you lean into me and not into your own understanding. It's that atmosphere. And the enemy came in and questioned my intent towards you. And you thought you could do something better. And you trusted yourself and not me. What do you want, Adam? What do you want, O oh man of God? I know what you need. 
And the whole thing is to get you to understand, I just want him the way he wants me. I just want to be in his presence. I want to be intimate with him. Because if you seek first the kingdom of God, all these other things will take care of them. So give no thought. Give no worry about what you eat, wear, or because have I not clothed the birds and how much more then? So what do you want? That's the question that Jesus comes asking. And we get caught up in all this stuff and, and we have a truth, to, a tooth, sorry, what is it? Tooth, have you ever had a tooth that was like, and it just hurt like Merry Christmas, right? It just hurt. Cheese and rice, it just hurt. I think there's a truth decay in the world, and I think it hurts. I think it's hurting when you can't figure out what's real and what's not real. I think it hurts when we can't grasp because we're ever learning, but we can't quite determine. And we don't know whether to trust ourselves or trust you or to trust God. And our confidence gets stripped away, right? When you can't figure it out, you, you have no confidence. And so you lack this confidence to trust in God or to trust in it. Have you ever said something and somebody repeated it, but it was taken out of context? And taken out of context, it sounded really bad. That happens to me all the time. I got to tell you, I, I got people mad heck at me today because they're taking this out of context and they're just, hey, it's taken out of context. If you take it out of context, it sounds really bad. And then most time they don't give you the opportunity to explain the context. Can I tell you the context of your life? You're the beloved. You're just a kid. He just loves you. And I mean, listen, my grandkids, Bruce, can walk up to me and ask me anything, and, and, and it's okay. Now, if somebody else hears them asking for whatever they ask for, it would sound horrible, right? But, but given the context that I am his, the apple of his eye, I can ask for that. Because of the context in which you live, you can expect to live abundantly. You can expect to live eternally. You can expect to live with, as God's favored, as God's blessed, even when you're stupid. Yeah. Even when you're bad. I remember one time telling the Lord about this person, and, and, and he goes, so they're behaving badly. And I said, yes. He said, so they're hurting you. Yes. He said, uh, I want you to shut up. I said, What? He said, do you love your kids? I said, yes. He said, even when they're bad? I said, yes. He said, you get it? <laughs> See, we, we lose confidence because we don't remember the context of what we're doing. What do you want? And finally, they said, where are you staying? We just want to be with you. I believe there's breakthrough right now. I, I, think, I think we could break through all the things of the world and we could step into even more that God has for us but I think we have to face that what's keeping us from stepping into that next dimension of God's presence are these ideas and patterns algorithms and grooming that has taken place to us and we can't really catch and if we're going to break through we have to break down those false belief systems that we have in our life about God and about one another and I wished I could preach this shouting and jumping, but what I really have to do is teach you how to be able to recognize those things that you believe in your own life that will war against you breaking through into all that God has for you. Am I making any sense? 
So I, I'm trying to be very careful as we, happy birthday, Michelle. I, I just saw this. Happy birthday. See, I have a squirrel in here, and, and you have no idea what's going off in this head. I'm looking across this room, and I'm thinking about, uh, and it just, <laughs> happy birthday to you. Uh, I remember when she was born, they got the girl. Heather's still mad about this. Uh, <laughs> you have to be from here to get it. He's lost his mind. No, it's context. If you know my context, and you know that family, and you know my family, you get the inside joke that they had three boys, got a girl, and she comes to church. And, and, and Heather had three boys and got another boy. And see, you have to know the context. Or you can't understand the context. 11 days. Say 11 days. He moved 5 million people across a desert and their kids and their dogs and their sheep and all the rubies and gold that they stole from Pharaoh. They, they, they crossed the Red Sea. God drowned Pharaoh and Moses takes 11 days and moves them to another river and God says, there it is. There's the land that I promised Abraham 400 years ago. Let's go get it. 11 days. I mean, we've watched God save us, destroy the enemy, move us across the desert, and here's the promised land. Here we are, boys. I mean, th that's enough to go, let's go kill them. Let's go take names, you know. Right? I mean, seriously, you'd think, you, Bruce, if that happened to you and I in less than two weeks, would be. Right? No, we wouldn't. No, we wouldn't. And here's what happened. They're standing there, Numbers 13, and Moses says, okay, go into the land. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good? Is it bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Is it walled or fortified? How's the soil? Is it poor? Is it good? Are there trees or are there no trees? <laughs> Do your best to bring back some fruit from the land because I know it's harvest time. You just came out of Egypt. Pharaoh's dead. We got all the back pay we ever needed plus interest. We've moved across 11 days and you want to know what kind of ground is over there? <laughs> and if you can, bring me a grape. <laughs> and, and the leader asked the wrong questions. The leader asked the wrong questions, and all of a sudden I'm considering the wrong things. Who gives a flip what kind of soil it is? It's mine. <laughs> Who cares where the walls are around the city? We just killed Pharaoh. We'll take your city. But see, if you ask yourself the wrong questions, you'll be considering things that you don't need to be considering all the while when you need to be having faith in God that he's going to kick butt and take names and give you that land. Woo! Here you are standing on the edge of the promise and you forget it. Why? Because someone planted a seed that maybe it was up to you whether or not you get that land. How many times have we been standing on the edge of what God has for us but now we're questioning it. 
That's what I'm talking about, about these algorithms, these deceptions that we get in our head. And we're just considering things that we don't need to be considering. We're, we're wondering what we're going to wear, what we're going to eat. And God said, I got that taken care of. Just go. So here's my message to you, Father's house. Just go. Because I'm telling you, God brought you out. He can bring you in. He brought you over. He'll take you through. This is the moment to stand up and say, that promise is mine. And you're going to have to get a little aggressive about it. You're going to have to get a little, a little, I'm trying not to be emotional, Pete. I'm doing my best not to say, let's go. Go watch Braveheart and come back. And then I can preach this message. I mean, my God. Go watch. (laughs) They're right on the verge. Touch your neighbor and say, you're on the edge. You're, you're near Canaan land. Listen, when I grew up, we used to sing about Canaan land and Beulah land. We used to sing about that place where the promises of God come to pass. We used to sing about that place where that dream and that vision, that gold. We used to sing about that hope that comes from the promise. We used to understand that we were standing right on oh, Canaan land, promised land, that that. Have any of you got any promises from God that you're believing for? Or have you just gone asleep trying to survive? What is it that you're believing? What do you want? What's the promise that you're clinging on to? Is it stuck on your mirror? Some of you are going, what? Listen, I got notebooks that stack this high of promises. And if I get the feeling down, I go back and I pick up that promise and I pull it. You know, I'm praying for grandsons that some of them will be preachers. You, you got adopted into something here that you have no idea. Just saying. I mean, just he may not even know that he wants it, but I want it. Okay. Well, we just wait till they come of age. And oh, you're silly. I was praying for my children's spouses before they were ever born. I mean, my God, I'm praying for grandkids and spouses now. Because I'm telling you, this world we live in, they need help. Oh, well. Well, she's pretty. I don't care if she's pretty. Is she saved? (laughs) Is she sane? (laughs) You can marry nice people and they'd be crazy. And in a world where we're filled with deceptions, you can get deceived and marry the wrong one. Then you're in. <laughs> Sorry, we might need to talk about that later. <laughs> Standing on the edge. But what holds us back are these deceptions that are in our mind. Is it God? Is it the devil? Is it other people who's against me? I'm paralyzed because. If you're paralyzed because, what's going through your head? I mean, he sent 12 of them in asking the wrong questions. I mean, do your best. Do your best. Your best has never been good enough. I mean, I'm doing my best. And some people are going, hey, I don't want to do that. Do your best. I ain't sending you off do your best. No, 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 no. Listen, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Your best will never rise to what he can do. Go ahead and believe that God can do through you more than you can do for yourself. And you're close to moving in. Oh, well. And he sent in 12 spies. Two of them came back with a two before. About eight foot long. One on the shoulder. Have you ever seen a cluster of grapes? It's... What's the biggest cluster of grapes you've ever seen? Right, you know. If you go to Dillon's, it's, but, uh, if you go to Dillon's, it's like this. I've been to California. They're good guys. You go to France, they're nice. They're, they're big. This one, 
they had to hang on a two before, eight foot long, and it drug the ground. I mean, the grape was the size of a normal. They had this cluster of grape. Here, two of them come back carrying this cluster of grapes going, whoo, whoo. He didn't lie. It's all true. It's all true. You, whoo. Ten of them came back going, oh, my God, the giants. Ten of them are talking about giants. Two of them are standing there going. <laughs> Ten of them are talking about giants. Two of them are eating grapes. Ten of them are going, man, if the grape's good, the wine's got to be over the top. <laughs> you put that wine under some pressure. You let it ferment. Honey, we having a party. <laughs> and some of you are going, what? Yeah, <laughs> get over yourself. 35 years ago, I worried about what you thought. Now I'm thinking, man, it's good if it stays there long enough. Grapes. Do you know you can't be eating? My grandma said, don't talk with your mouth full. How many of you looked at your kids and said, Dwayne, don't talk with your mouth full? Did you know it's hard to talk about giants if you're eating? If you just start eating the fruit of the promise of God, it's hard to let your mind wander on giants while you're eating. Oh, taste and see that I am good. And... Am anybody here? Two of them. Ten of them. I mean, you got this cluster of grapes and you got that cluster of idiots. Which one are you going to pay attention to? You'll get it in a minute. I, I promise you, your brain's going to catch up with the way I'm talking. <laughs> yeah, just a cluster. I'm telling you, you can listen to that or you can listen to this. It's still happening. Here's the proof of God. Yeah, but what do you... Uh, but. Uh, it's interesting to me how quickly Joshua and Caleb quieted the rest of them. See, there's a war going on between the fruit of the Spirit and these people. There's a war going on. And it's a war between truth and lies. And you can miss the reality of the promises of God because you focus on what some are saying. Lucas told me a great story the other day, and I'm probably going to mess it up, but it's too great to miss. Got guys having some real emotional issues. He, he's a Christian, but he's having some real emotional issues, and it takes a whole bunch of people to get him to go see a therapist. And he goes to the therapist, tells the therapist, you know, pays him 180, tells him, all the stuff, and the therapist says, okay, I want you to, I want you, next week, all this week, I want you to count every red car you see. What? I want you to go, every time you see a red car, I want you to write it down, see every car. So he does. And he goes back to the therapist, and the therapist says, okay, how many red cars did you see? He said, 187. Really? That's a lot of red cars. How many blue ones did you see? See, whatever you determine to see, Amen. that is what you will see. Whatever you focus on, that will become your reality. You can choose to focus on the grapes, or you can choose to focus on the giants. That's your choice. David learned this lesson, and a few chapters later you'll find out David took his giant down. Am I, am I making any sense? See, we're on the verge of breakthrough, but we're going to have to face the fact that we've been focused on giants more than we've been focused on the grapes that are available to us right now. Right now.
I got Connie. Thanks, Connie. I appreciate it. It helps me to move further into this reality. See, we need to question some of these ideas that have planted in our head. We need to stop considering some of these questions that we've been considering. We need to focus and take back the courage that God has given to us by what He has said to us and remind ourselves that we many times are thinking about the wrong, pondering about the wrong things. And if you think about the wrong things, you'll never be able to possess the promise that God has made for you. The promises are taken because we dedicate our thoughts to the way He has spoken. And the size of the giant doesn't matter. And we demolish these strongholds and we take captive these thoughts and we bring them under and we, we, we begin to pay attention to what we're listening to. And Joshua and Caleb silence them. You ever just needed to tell somebody, shut up. I learned a long time ago, I could hang up. I, I, do you know, do you, I don't know, I just found it. It's this button that says Hide. that. I don't, if you don't want to see any, I don't, I'm done. Some of you walk up and say, did you see what I, no. no. Boom. You can unfollow this person without them knowing it. <laughs> Used to when I did it, they'd come up, why did you not follow me? Well, now I don't follow you. You don't know what I follow. You never know what I'm listening to. You can block it. Block. My God, if Kansas City learned how, never mind. Block! I'm standing in front of the TV going, block! Sometimes I'm standing in front of you going, block! Sometimes you need people out in front of you that can. I really appreciate it when other people take it down before I ever see it, then it's never there. Am I making any sense to you? I need friends that'll just block it out before I ever get to it, then it's not even. Betty White, Betty White, Betty White. I'm telling you, in here it's scrambled. Betty White. Invite. She was on talkies before there were talkies. I mean, that girl, she'd been on TV. She worked up till, talk about not retiring. That girl worked right up till she went, bye. I, I want that. I mean, maybe you don't. I, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing right up till I go, oh, okay. Because she did. And they were doing this interview about her, and, and two of her friends were saying, you know, if you ever walked up to Betty White and said, do you know what I hate? She would go, no, and I don't care either, and I don't want to hear it because I ain't got time for that negative stuff. I got to keep on. You might live be 99 too if you'd turn off some of that. I don't care what you like. I don't care what you dislike. I don't care what you hate. I don't care. Be quiet. We can take that land. Be quiet. We can go in there and we can get. We ain't going to talk about the giants. Look here. Here's the grapes. See, the reason why we have no confidence to move forward is there's still too many voices in our head telling us we can't. Look at your neighbor and say, you can do whatever God says you can do. You can take that land. You can determine your life. You don't have to live. You know how old I was before I knew? I, I, it, was, it was earth shattering. It was her. It was earth shattering. Did you know you could read the menu from the left to the right? You get it in a minute. It's prime rib and then the price. I grew up reading the price. And then what it was. And, and we determined what we ate by what was on the right side. It was mind-boggling to me to think that you could read it from the left to the right, not the right to the left. Listen, I, I can remember 
pulling into Holiday Inn with the, there was a sign on that Holiday Inn in Colorado Springs that said, heated pool. <laughs> Do you know what us kids were doing in the back seat in 1968, 9, going, <laughs> I mean, now they go to Gray Wolf and slide down slides and through this and get a Mickey hat on the way out. We had a heated pool. <laughs> and we pull up in front of that, and we pull up, and we're in the back seat going, <laughs> like this. And my mama turns to my dad and goes, <laughs> This ain't for the likes of us. And we drove down the road and stayed in a Motel 6. A Motel 6. Now it's Motel 46. I don't know what it is. It was clean. But guess what it didn't have? A heated pool. Now you know what that did in my head? I'm not good enough for the likes of that. I grew up in that atmosphere. Oh my God, we are grasshoppers. We got bugs in our mind. 11 days ago, we walked out of Egypt. Pharaoh has been drowned. We've moved 5 million people across the, and we're right here. But in my head, I'm a slave. I'm just a bug. I'm just a grasshopper. If you're going to break through in 2022, you'll have to break down the thoughts that have been sown into you that'll keep you limited from going into what God has for you. Am I making any sense? I'm your pastor. I'm telling you, we've got to do the dirty work of cleaning up the mess that people dropped into our lives. If we're going to break through into whatever God has for you, whatever he has for me, whatever he has for us, we're going to have to take those thoughts captive. We're going to have to make up our minds that we think upon these things and not upon those things. We're going to have to question some of the questions that we've been questioned by. Because some of the things that we're considering are robbing us of the reality of stepping into all that God has for us. Am I doing okay? So it's a spiritual war against truth and lies. The ones on the inside of us. The ones that are pre-programmed and we have allowed the giants to become more real than the grapes that are standing in front of us. You see, it's hard to determine what's real when the inside is filled with those crazy things. You have to check what you're thinking, and then you have to change what you're speaking, because the only way to rewire this is to say it yourself. Me saying it to you will not change it. But when you begin to repeat what God has said to you, to you, your brain will stop and listen to what you're saying. The power is on your tongue. The way you rewire your head. I can tell you the very first verse that I started quoting over and over again. For the Lord, the Holy Spirit will teach me all things and bring all things to my remembrance. And I quoted it and I quoted it and I still quote it and the older I get, the more I quote it. The Holy Spirit will teach all things and bring all things to my remembrance. You see, you have to put it on the inside, then you have to speak it, and that's the way you'll rewire and reprogram this thing in your head. I mean, seriously, I, it's five minutes till, but I'm going to take a little longer, so thanks for staying. <laughs> oh, well. See, you've been pre-programmed to think the preacher's got to be done at noon. Who told you that lie? I've waited all week to share this with you. I prayed before God to share this with you. Listen, I think I have a word from God for us. And you need to jump and go get a hamburger. <laughs> Had you
listen, have you ever been in a situation and somebody's telling, I almost put my foot in it? Seriously. They tell me this story and I'm going, I thought they were joking. Seriously, I thought they were making fun. And I went, huh? They think there's Martians landing. They think, and I'm going, what? Yeah, yeah. And I seriously, I mean, it's out my mouth before I can think. I said, that's silly. And then it dawned on me, they believed it. We're living in a world where people think Martians are coming. We're living in a world where we can't determine real from unreal. Truth from untruth. It's a spiritual war. Listen to me. We have to take the time to come out of that deception so that we can determine what's real and what's not real. And listen, there's not another voice coming out of all those other voices. Those ten voices, they ain't coming out of there. They're coming out of this people that know the promise that are carrying grades. So how do we do it? Listen, I'm a Pentecostal. I got to tell you, you can dress this thing up, but it's still what it is. I was raised and we did spiritual battle. Honey, we got loud. And if you want me to tell you how we did it, you hang around after service, I'll teach you how to do Jericho marches. Some of you don't even know what that is. We'd march around that building and we'd shout and we waved hankies and honey, we didn't go home till we knew we had pulled that demon down. But it really wasn't, it really wasn't culturally acceptable. But I got to tell you something. My grandmother's broke down the demonic hold. And I have a college education. My children have college educations. I'm going to get in a car that I own. I'm going to drive home to a house that I own. Because my grandmothers knew how to do battle with the devil and remove those things. Now, I realize that many of you are going to be nervous if I start saying, we're going to march around this building, we're going to shout until... You ain't staying. I get that. <laughs> Don't. But there's a lot of Christians in bondage today because they haven't learned how to do spiritual warfare. So let me tell you how to do spiritual warfare. Go back to Jesus, Luke chapter 4. Number one, he went into a quiet place alone. He went into solitude and if you read the history of the Old New Testament, he got up every morning and went somewhere. The minute he was baptized, the minute he was told, you're the son of God, the minute he got a promise from God, the minute he got a revelation, he didn't go tell the world, he went into a quiet place. When you get a promise from God, let me tell you, you got to go into a quiet place with God and you got to begin to own that promise. And he went into a quiet place, solitude. And in that quiet place, he fasted. He began to take those things out of his life that he had been depending on to make. Fasting is when you pull down those things that you have needed to make you happy, but you really don't need them. And he began to put those things in priority. And he prayed. He went into a silent place. He fasted. And he prayed. And when the devil came in and said, are you? He quoted the scriptures. Can I tell you how you do spiritual warfare? You go into a quiet place with God. 
you prioritize the things you've been feeding yourself. And you pray. And then you put the word of God in your mouth. And you speak it. It's that simple. Now if you hang with me, we'll do it in a certain style. (laughs) And some of you Lutherans ain't going to like that style. (laughs) But it's my style. Now you do it in your style. I'll do it in my style. But can I tell you, the pattern is the same. Am I, am I making? We're going to break through this year because we begin to break down those thoughts, those patterns, those deceptive thoughts. That, and listen, I don't know anybody that's not struggling with some sort of deception in their life, including myself. Set with me, solitude. Keep going, Kelly. I love it. Solitude, fasting, prayer, the Word. Mm. 21 days change your life. Can I tell you what a year does? Can I tell you what 41 years does? I can. I used to preach because God showed me something to preach and make them. Today I, I try to find out what you need shape you, inform you, help you break through into all that God has for you. And you may not be shouting over this message, but can I tell you, if you'll put to practice what I've said, in 21 days you'll see a change. In a year, you won't recognize yourself. If you quit jumping to conclusions and start just walking with Christ. You'll get further. You'll get further. Can you feel it? I think it was Wednesday of last week. It's been a long week for me. With the news I got a while ago, I'm going to have another long week. You ever just had long week after long week after long week after long? Wednesday, we were on that little phone call. Karina was on that call. And we go, it's rather routine. It's almost. And I hit these words. Our Father. Do you know, you can't say that without it being a declaration of faith. A declaration of war. Because I'm not his child because I've earned it. I'm not his child because I deserve it. I'm his child because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him, I'm his child because of Calvary. I'm his child because he adopted me in spite of me. The minute you say, our father, whoo, and I broke through that morning. Instantly. I could feel his embrace. I don't, be real honest with you, young man that helps me do that he kept saying he told me later he said I kept thinking you're going to fall out boom (laughs) because it didn't matter and then I hit these words that art in heaven oh did you know he's not the father of the philosophy of humanity he's not 
the Father. So many things here. He's the Father of heaven. Thy kingdom come, Lord. Thy will be done in your life, in Mel's life, in Charles' life, for Steve, for Katie. I didn't even have to do Jericho march. I didn't have to shout. I didn't have to wave a hanky. I just prayed. Our Father, who art in heaven, worthy to be praised, are you. Send your kingdom into every heart and soul and perform your promises in every life. Give to them today everything they have need of. Help them to walk in forgiveness with one another. Receive even more. Deliver them from the temptations and the deceptions of this world. Destroy evil in their lives. I'm Pentecostal, but I'm a little more. Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time.